Welcome to the Black College Sports and Education Foundation Weekly Show, where we equip students, athletes, their families, and supporters with vital tools and information that will impact their decisions on educational opportunities and careers. Tune in every Thursday night at 7 Eastern Standard Time as we host prominent guests from a variety of backgrounds, such as education, sports, medicine, and the corporate world. Remember, the Black College Sports and Education Foundation is your one-stop resource center. Now, here's your host, Executive Director, Ed J. Hayes. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Black College Sports and Education Foundation podcast. This show that speaks to students, athletes, and their families who are looking to learn everything they need to be fully equipped to make the best choice whether to attend a full-time college, a community college, or a technical trade school. For the next half hour, we'll be discussing the Comprehensive Preparatory Assistance Program, CPAP, which is designed to help them make that career decision and we'll be discussing this with our Director of Education for the Foundation, Dr. Charlie Flint. Hello, Dr. Flint. Hi, Ed. How are you? I'm doing great, doing great. And yourself? Very good. We have been working diligently to bring this program to the sources that we have identified that we want to work with, which is the community-based organizations and schools and, of course, we have a special section for the black colleges, which is HBCUs, and we looked at address some of the issues that they have been faced with trying to keep the enrollment up and, of course, looking at the students' opportunities and options, and whether they want to go to a four-year college, a two-year college, or a trade school. What's their option? So with that said, we need to see how we can be effective in helping these people and their families make these decisions. I just want to ask you a question from your perspective. How do you see the educational system functioning today and how this can be an advocate for assisting them in their quest to reach their goals and initiatives? Well, first of all, I just want to say overall our educational system, like a lot of the systems in our society, it's just not working. At least it's not working for a large number of people, large number of students, whether we are talking about secondary education, public secondary education, whether we are talking about higher education, private and public. The private ones, at least the predominantly White private ones have a little bit more resources and seem to be doing a little better. You know, if I'm talking about higher education, we look at the endowment that a private school like Harvard has, and then you look at a state school. There's very, very different in terms of the resources that they have. So that's another podcast to talk about how do we bring about equity in terms of education. We here at the foundation want to start very early in terms of serving with all the stakeholders in education, and I think we all should be stakeholders in education. Our future depends on it. And I think what we are saying, if we can start early and give a different kind of cultural and attitude approach to around education, I believe we are on our road to trying to, you know, modify, enhance, 
or whatever one might want to call it, uh, educational system. We are saying that if half the students finish secondary education, they should start to prepare for what's going to happen after that. Even for those who know and want to go to college, they start, I believe, too late. But I think we need to start as soon as students start to school, or even before that, we in our communities should be doing something around preschool education. We know Head Start started, but that's a need base, and not everybody can get into it. But I'm just saying, as an example, we should be doing stuff in our communities, starting very early. I know where I came from in a poor black rural community in a certain state I won't identify. The community was teaching us stuff very early on, looking at the book that comes out to tell you about when to plant and all that kind of stuff. Many people don't see that as education, but it is, because you learn a lot of things. Agronomy, we don't have hardly any students. We're going to talk about that a little later on. Don't know very much about planting stuff, so we need to get back to that, given all the food deserts that we may have. Now, someone says she's rambling. I'm not. What I'm trying to do is to have people understand the connection among the different institutions that we have in our society, that education shouldn't be standing out here alone, that other institutions should be involved in the educational process because we are losing a lot of students. And I've been looking at this since 1969 when D-Day happened, when we desegregated the schools. And again, that's another conversation we can have later as well. But we have young black men going through 12 years of school and not have one black teacher. That says something, okay? So that's why we're going to talk a little bit later on about the importance of HBCUs, particularly as it pertains to people of African descent. But I think these models can be modified for any population that's in our public school system. So that's just my brief interview on where we are in terms of education. And I think what we're doing here at the foundation, particularly with our CPAP program, we're on the road of doing some of those kinds of things. What is it that we're doing and how might we look at our model and apply it and let others apply it to the specific needs of their communities. Well, you mentioned the early education. Uh-huh. This STEM program that evolved, for me, it's intriguing because I don't know if every state, every school district has adopted this, but I do see evidence of it, even in the area that I'm in, that they have a real vigorous program. And this particular district that I live in, these schools have developed a summer program in all of the schools within the district, and they're starting at second grade level, K-2 level, and they designed this to meet those objectives through second grade. You know, they have broken down from the third grade to the fifth grade. They're taking students into different topics and different subject matter here, which is really advanced compared to, say, the curriculums that we are accustomed to. But I believe... Seriously, that this has been the problem in a lot of situations, especially in today's school system, that the curriculums that they have in the public school sector is not really preparing these students to think and even guide them into this era of where they are introduced to technology and science and mathematics at a high level. I know the kids are capable of soaking this up because I've seen evidence of that. I think we as adults, the ones who set these curriculums, are the ones really that are holding these kids back. But maybe it's a matter of resources or whatever in the school district. But 
that seemed to be something that's probably changing with the times, and hopefully it is, but still they are lacking in the resources when it comes to guidance counselors, even at the high school level. So that is an issue, I think, that where we can use CPAP, for instance, as a support system for these schools, and even at the community-based level where they have organizations that, as we know them, that are using their resources to train and to teach and become the surrogate in a way where there's a need, like inner cities or in rural areas that don't have the resources. What's called for, I believe, is a whole redistribution of the wealth that we have. We wanted to, uh, we tout ourselves as one of the richest countries in the world, but of course only about 1% of the population in our society is getting a lot of that money. So I think in terms of public education, since we tell parents they have to send their kids to school from the time they're five years old until they're 16, okay? Now, what happens between those years? I think what has to happen, as I said earlier, is a change in attitudes. The program you just mentioned about STEM and the kids in second grade, I know when I was in grad school, I did a lot of subbing, and I was surprised at the attitude that the people have about young kids and what they should learn. And I found them very engaging when you give them stuff that they find challenging. You know, we say we want to create critical thinking people, but we don't. You know, you get a little, a little person who is in kindergarten and he wants to build an airplane with his Legos. Well, what's wrong with that? If you are working with that, that kid can learn a lot from that. But no, 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 no. He's not ready for that. His skills in terms of occupation is not ready for him to do that. But if you see the students doing this, who are we to say you can't do that? It goes back to the whole model of how we educate educators in the classroom. You tell all kids they have to do the same thing at the same time when kids come from different experiences and may not be able to do that. If I can recall, when I started my first four years of school, I went to a two-room classroom, but one of the classes had been closed down. So we had kids going from first grade to eighth grade in this one room. And so if you were in first grade and you finished your work, you could sit in on the second grade or third grade or whatever, you know, this Montessori kind of approach. We had that in that poor little country school. And I remember when they passed the Secondary Act and we had to close down all those little community schools, which was, of course, run by the local churches. They set up that school with St. Mary's School down in South Carolina. And the church would help with the resources that were needed for that school. And so when I went to the school in the city, quote, unquote, I was very bored because a lot of the stuff they're teaching me in fourth grade, I had already learned all that stuff. And I was very mm-hmm. bored. And I think that's what happens sometimes with our kids in school. They get bored, and we have not given the teachers in the classroom the tools they need to deal with that. I have seen in my subbing that those kids, if they are challenged, they will do the work. They will not be running around the classroom not doing anything. So we in higher education who produce all these teachers to go out, we have to rethink, again, how we educate them, prepare them to deal with the different kinds of populations that they are going to come into contact with. I think at CPAC, we believe the earlier we start in terms of getting kids to realize who they are, what they can do, and that kind of thing, because I'm of the opinion that everybody, everybody has something that they can bring to the table. 
So at CPAC, that's what we're trying to do. We want to start very early giving the students our belief and helping them believe, too, that they can succeed, finding mm-hmm. out who they are and what are the skills they have, what are the interests they have, and how those skills and interests can help prepare them for what they would want to do. That's one of the first things we'll be doing with the early ones. We have a pilot program that's going to start, I believe, with sixth graders, I believe. But it would be great to see, after we finish with this pilot program, what did we learn and how do we push that on down to the preschool and particularly the primary schools and that kind of thing. Don't wait until they're in high school to start doing these kinds of things because Mm -hmm. by then their mindset, we have certain attitudes and beliefs we have about students, that kind of thing. We have students who go to college and they don't start preparing for that till 11th grade. I'm of the opinion and research shows that's too late. So we want to begin Mm -hmm. early and that's what I like about the comprehensive program, that it's going to be very comprehensive. All these things are going to be important. We're going to begin to talk to the students. A lot of programs are set up, and people set them up never talking to the students about what they want, never working with the students or anything like that. I've been fortunate in that I've been in higher education for 47 years, but I was able to work in communities with students because before I got my doctorate, I was in grad school, and I needed money, and I would substitute. And that's how I know more about the elementary and primary, the whole secondary, and also higher ed, so the whole gamut of the public education that we have here in this country. I think my experiences and the research and stuff that I've done and the research and stuff I've read from other people tend to support my attitude toward participating in the education of our children. We now can touch on the next level because we're talking about the choices that are now uh, so prevalent in this day and time because it ties into the actual commerce, I guess, because we're talking about the workforce is being not able to meet the agenda for fulfilling jobs at different levels. And that's mm-hmm. where we're talking about your choices of either going to a trade school or a community college mm-hmm. and a four-year college. There are tremendous advantages in each one of these options. and. This is something that we have had discussions with certain people in certain areas about the inability to fulfill the workforce, the job market. A lot of these folks are not qualified, educated enough to get these jobs that are right now the trend, and a lot of those are in the technical field. Even if you're talking about going to trade school, they've upped that agenda because you have to be able to comprehend, you got to know a little bit about the computerized systems that they're working with. So that is in itself a great option for someone to get into who doesn't want to go to a four-year commitment or community colleges. So what is your opinion on them? The four-year liberal arts school is where we have been going for a long time. If we'll know, we look at higher ed in this country after the Civil War, and we began to see it. President Lincoln realized that we were going to have to produce those who knew something about agriculture. That's where that was then. Today, many people realize we are far behind in the technology, the science, engineering, all those kinds of programs compared to other parts of the world. So now that seems to be another buzzword. Everybody's into that. But when we talk about the different institutions of higher ed, I would say the thing you call in trade school, people need to rethink what that means, and I would say these are what I would call the technical schools that are not as much 
infused with a lot of liberal arts kind of thing, which I think we need, but it's in terms of what do these schools offer that would help our kids that we're talking about, and I think you just said it. These are things that they can learn to do because that's where the jobs are. You can't be a mechanic because you've been working with Uncle Joe, and Uncle Joe will tell you, man, I can't fix these new cars because they're all computerized kinds of things. So we have to tell our kids, this is what you need to do. Now, how do you get there? You want to do technical stuff, but what do you need to get there? And we tell them that at kindergarten school. It's the whole demystification that somehow these kids who can't hack it in a four-year college will have to be brought into trade schools. That's the thing that we had before, but we're looking at it differently. That These are skills that they can amass. Some high schools have these kinds of programs in it. Some of them set up magnet schools. I know the state where I came from, they set it up where kids in ninth through 12th grade are taking all courses related to engineering. They also have technology, all those kinds of things for high school kids, but it's not for all of them. Again, it's the kids that are doing very well because they have the same traditional way of ascertaining who should go into those kinds of programs. And so what I'm saying is that we should do that for all of our students. All our students should be able to make a choice by the time they're in eighth grade what kind of curriculum they want to pursue, just as they're making a decision of what they're going to pursue when they get to college. It's not that we just let them do it because they want to. What we have done in the CPAP program is to help them be able to ascertain that this is what they would like to do. In other words, if you're going to make this decision, make an informed decision, you know. Mm-hmm. And so starting out very early, you know, people think math, you've got to be a genius to do that. And maybe because I've always loved math, i always done well in it, the same thing with engineers. I started out my college career in those programs. I didn't see them as that difficult because I had a math teacher who told me and showed me that everything in your life is run around math. You need to know what math is, but sometimes we have mystified it to be only certain people can do that kind of stuff. So I think what we are saying to students is that think about it, think about it. And I think CPAP is going to be very, very fortunate in doing that. And we're working along with the parents too because a lot of the parents will say, no, I don't want my kid to take AP course. Well, the school don't want them to take it either because they think all he does is stay in trouble. But we've got to reformulate our attitudes around our students in terms of that. STEM is the thing now, but if it's not done properly, we're still going to be where we were before we start these programs because we're only getting a certain amount of students, certain kinds of students, rather than integrating these programs into the curriculum. And I think that's what they should have. I worked 10 years integrating issues of gender into the classroom. This is in higher education, and we should do that for our secondary education, integrating these issues into all of the schools, the whole science, technology, engineering, and math, not saying they don't need history, real history, that is, and they don't need, you know, English and those kinds of things. They do, but the focus is going to be, for instance, how do we teach math by looking at the humanities? How do we teach the humanities by looking at the math? And stop segmenting education and trying to make it more integrative, making it more systemic, like a lot of other stuff we need to do in our society. Mm-hmm. Putting those kind of things in action. Well, we have one more topic here that we'd like to close with, and that is giving folks 
a little more information about Comprehensive Preparatory Assistance Program. So if you just want to elaborate on that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Well, as I've been alluding to, it's a comprehensive program of preparing kids for after what I'm calling after secondary school. We start out with getting to know yourself. A lot of educators don't believe in that because that's not how they've been taught. I didn't go to an education college, and maybe that's why mine's a little different. They teach a lot of methods without talking about a lot of other things. So this is what we have for the pilot program we're going to be doing this summer. We have a curriculum set up, starting out with focusing on the individual, him or herself. Who am I? What are my interests? Because some people don't connect that. I think, and I know it's been my experience, if I'm interested in stuff, I'm going to be much more tuned to it, which means I'm going to put myself in it more. And I think that's the same thing it is with education. We have a curriculum for sixth through eighth grades, and if people want to learn more about that, they can go on our website and they can see it. But it's important that we get into the kid first. Now, we don't tell kids who can and who cannot come in. It's more inclusive than it is exclusionary. We get kids who are using the tool of athletic programs. We're working with them because I personally believe that they can be a big stakeholder in terms of our younger kids going to elementary school and those kinds of things. It gives them discipline. It gives them how to work with teams and that kind of thing. That's important. But it also look at the individual and see what he or she can bring to the table. So we want to give support to all students student athletes, students who may be into the arts, students who may be into other things, students who may want to do some sort of particular technological or trade schools, all those kinds of kids. We want to give them tools that they can use to make the right decision about going there. We want to give the support to all of those students. We want our athletes to know why you should go to an HBCU as opposed to going to a predominantly white school, or vice versa, wherever they want to do, but how do we enhance that? We want to be able to set up, like the program we're working with, some sort of apprenticeship program. Some kids don't have to go to school, uh, you know, I don't know how many hours they go anymore, seven to three or whatever, but they know what they want to do. They want to go into some sort of technical school, and so why not let them go and do what the states say they have to do, the English and history and that kind of stuff in the morning because I know of a program like this. And then in the afternoon, they can work as an apprentice in some of these demanding jobs that they need. We know that there are companies coming into our countries, particularly into some of these depressed areas, and they set up and they don't hire anybody in the community because the kids don't have those kinds of skills. So here I'm telling the unions, why don't you say we're going to have every union in certain skills and stuff, we'll say, will you take five of our kids this semester or something like that. That way they're getting hands-on, and the, the county or the state can't say, well, we don't have the resources to hire somebody to do this. I mean, they are there. They've taken from the community. Let them give something back to the community. And that's one thing I see in CPAP that I don't see in a lot of other programs. A lot of them start from the viewpoint that these kids just don't have it and we have to do something that we call pre-college work. They are not ready. You've got to bring them up to stuff. We're starting from the perspective that by the time they graduate from one of our high schools, they are ready and they don't have to take all these courses that a lot of kids spend a whole semester 
and not get any graduation credit for it because they're courses they should have had in their secondary school. So ours is not necessarily a remediation program like a lot of the programs. It's more in terms of giving the students the skills that they need. We want to look at the curriculums and maybe change that. Not us, because we are not curriculum specialists, but the teachers are there. We want to serve as support for those teachers. When I say we, I mean, again, parents, I mean, businesses, the, the faith communities, all those will be doing stuff and maybe having more cross-curriculum classes and those kinds of things. We want our students, including our athletes, the importance of high-level work, okay? And we want to make sure that we will be with this student as soon as they register. Because people say, well, how do you get in that program? You go online, you register with our program, and from that moment on, we are there as a support for that particular student. We have also in our curriculum one for parents, because I think sometimes we do sort of like a disservice for parents, not understanding the cultural factors that might keep them from not coming to a program at 9 o'clock in the morning. I know there were some schools would have the PTA program at 9 o'clock in the morning. A lot of the working class parents that we are talking about may not be able to do that because they're at work. So we may have to be a little more innovative in terms of getting the parents involved, maybe some night stuff or maybe some afternoon stuff or maybe having the churches say, well, after service on Saturday or Sunday or whatever your day of thing is, that we're going to have a parent networking from 3 to 5 or something like that. All those kinds of things are bringing that data together. And we want to help our students stay on pace to graduate, okay, making sure that if those students who have been below their level are making progress so that when they leave, they can go to their choice of post-secondary education because everybody's going to have to do that. Otherwise, they're going to leave a lot of people behind. And I think those are some of the high points. We are partnering with student-athletes. We're partnering with parents. We're partnering with community-based programs and all the other stakeholders. We're beginning to just talk about the private sector in there, the private sector, the ones that has spaces for jobs and things like that. So we want to make sure that they are in there as well. They may be able to come in, send somebody in to do stuff. I know in most businesses, big businesses, people have to do some community work. So if we find a hard number of women who say they want to do aerospace engineering, then we can bring some women from the local university or some of the women who are working in aviation. That's a big trait that not very many people are talking about these days, but it's really big. Mm-hmm. So they're calling it technology. So when we say trade, we're talking about technical stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And it should be as part of the STEM. STEM programs should not just be for your colleges. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely, yes. Well, we are out of time, but this discussion will be part of our ongoing series. So we will be bringing us back together to finish it and probably touch other subjects that are really important to our mission. And then, of course, hopefully we can get some more input from others who are experts in their fields who would like to chime in and, of course, offer every bit of encouragement they can to these young folks and their families to take advantage of this free opportunity. We didn't mention that Comprehensive Preparatory Assistance Program, CPAP, is a free program. We don't charge students for anything. We take them from the conception to the end, finished product, without having to burden them with any cost. Of course, our services are based upon our connection with 
organizations. We work with them closely, and uh, we try to tweak the program to fit their situation. So I do want to thank you, Doc, for taking this time, and like I said, we'll be continuing this series of conversations, and hopefully we will get some feedback and we'll get some folks who will want to join us in this effort. Good. I look forward to continuing this discussion. There's a lot more that we could talk about, um, a lot more information we can share, and like you said, maybe even get a panel, so different perspectives. I want people to always know where I'm coming from, and that's my perspective based upon my experiences, lived experience, educational experience, those kinds of things. But other people may have had other experiences, and, and their input is just as important that's to us it. in this program because we want to do what's going to be of the greatest benefit for our students. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Doc. Thank you. We thank you for your time, okay? Okay, then. Take care, then. Mm-hmm. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for tuning in. We ask you that if you have any comments or suggestions, just reach out to us. We can be contacted at ed.j.hayes at gmail or contact me at 770-376-6114. And be sure to visit our website at www.bcsportsfoundation.com. You can connect with us on Facebook at Black College Sports and Education Foundation. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at hashmark HBCU for life. So until next time, we hope you have a great week. And be sure to join us. And thank you again. Bye-bye.